Jonathan Edwards once said, The happiness of the creature consists in rejoicing in God, by which also God is magnified and exalted. Join Ryan Hanley, Adam Howell, and Caleb Niedemeyer for a conversation about living out deeply rooted affections. This is Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. Welcome back to Oaks of Righteousness Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Niedemeyer, joined, as always, by the impeccable Adam Howell and the distinguished Ryan Hanley. Sweet. Wow. <laughs> impeccable. Yeah. I mean, it's Unable a- to say. <laughs> I know what that means to you. <laughs> Good to be back with you guys. It's only been about, what, five weeks, six weeks since the last time we, we got together. Seems like it's been longer. It's a new semester. Yeah. Stuff happens. It's been it's been a really really long time since we've uh, had this time together. I mean we're we're living in the the decadence that the podcasting world has afforded us. And what Ryan, you're still driving buses, and I am. Adam's still teaching people how to to get fit. Yes. <laughs> or trying to. And I'm still. I, I think the latest. Um, me and one of my coworkers decided that we are basically glorified Walmart scanners. I mean, all we do okay. is we sit there and we, we scan barcodes oh, nice. all day. So I, I uh, looked it up, and on Friday I scanned in 1,800 different items. So I my trigger finger is a little sore. Bleep, but bleep, yeah, wow, like with like a, a little gun scanner? Yeah, with a little gun scanner. just bleep, Medical bleep, equipment? Bleep, bleep, bleep. Uh, implants. Yeah, so like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like shoulder implants and hip implants. Yeah, can you clarify, please? <laughs> Knee implants. Plastic and titanium. And Praise the Lord, though. Trabecular. Trabecular metal is what we use in it. I don't know what that means. But yeah. Go look it up. Okay. Adam should know, know all about I don't know how to spell that either. So. His tr- science. Is that trabecular with yeah. an A or tribecular with an I? E. It has an E in it. Yeah, trabecular. <laughs> That's a third not one. That, I wasn't not aware. that good of a speller, apparently. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it Sorry, was, in Hebrew, the E-I vowel class is the same, so uh, I, I was going for that. Fair I'm enough. I'm sure there was a difference there. Yeah. yeah. We are back, though. Yeah. So it's good to be back, and we're talking about living out our deeply rooted affections, trying to find out how deeply they are rooted, yeah. or how well we're living them out, anyways. Today, our topic is happiness slash joy, and how that is... How that flows out of our affections and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I wanted to start off by asking you guys what the difference between joy and happiness is. And if there is one, what is it? I think you're supposed to ask a question that that leads us into discussing the differences rather than just bringing it up from nothing. Yeah, I kind of expected a good 15 seconds of just silence right there so that we could... uh, let everyone know that it. there's not a good answer to this question. We can always just sip on our coffee for it. How long true. did we talk? Was it episode two that we talked <laughs> yes. for a good hour about emotions versus affections? Yeah. And we never came up with a Well, go answer. back and listen to that one because <laughs> that's the answer. It seems like kind of in a classical way, I don't know that there was a lot of difference made between those two things, between happiness and joy. They kind of, and I could be totally wrong here but it seems in some of the 
older literature, I would read things about happiness and think more in a modern terminology of joy mm-hmm. rather than what we would think of as happiness. I think that's fair. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things. I think it's helpful to make a distinction now in our contemporary setting um, because we do sort of put a different spin on each of those. Happiness seems to be more of an emotion that almost more whimsical. Um, it can kind of come and go according to our regular everyday circumstances, yeah. even from one minute to the next, whereas joy is something that is more deep-seated and abiding, something more substantial. So I'll just leave it at that. But what you're saying, though, is that the older definition of happiness, older as in the Puritan definition of happiness, these these guys, it, w- it was a similar thought of what you're calling a deep-seated joy. Right. Yeah, right. I would agree with that. And then the modern distinction seems to be that happiness is more is going to be more uh, influenced by our circumstances rather than it's uh, distanced from our circumstances. Because yeah. we can, we of course we would say that affections, we would have joy in the midst of suffering. Well, that's not going to be comfortable at all. So we may not necessarily be happy with that right. circumstance, right. but we are joyful in it. No, I, I like that. That's fair. So define happiness as you would see it out in the in the world today. You said whimsical feeling, but you know like what? the thing that came to my mind, and I um, was um, the chapel message a few weeks ago that Dr. Moeller did when he wasn't expecting to be preaching in chapel, and he made this distinction between beauty and pretty. Hmm. And beauty was what he was saying was objective. It is. It is. There, there's beauty in the cross, even though it's a very grotesque image of death there's beauty there because it's the gospel it's true it's objective it's good he, he made the uh, comment about the triangular beautiful true and good what is good is beautiful and true what is true is beautiful and good you know that kind of dynamic yeah. but he said that is very very different than what the world today would call pretty but the world today calls it beautiful but if they, what they mean is pretty i might would make that same kind of classification here between what yeah. the world today calls happiness and what the Bible and affections call joy. Um, there's just something more fundamentally beautiful about joy because it's good and true. Yeah, I mean, I think we could we could probably pull happiness into a, a Christian realm as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying in that a distinction between joy and happy, I think we've kind of made in our modern culture or in our modern setting, the way that we understand those words. But I, I mean, I think it, you know, we, we experience, like you said, when we're in the midst of a trial or going through difficult things, we can have joy through that because we know of its, of its outcome, but it's not something that makes us happy. It could, in fact, make us very sad. Yeah. We can experience sorrow, but, um, you know, we could be happy about a football game result or, uh, you know, that our kid laughed about something funny. You know, maybe there's moments of joy in something like, say, with our child, doing something great or funny you know it's a kind of a momentary thing that spurs an emotion like happiness but but we could also find pockets of joy in that yeah i I think following up on that i would just the thought that came to my mind since we're discussing this and we don't have a good agenda here um, (laughs) i mean it took us six weeks to like come up with this i know (laughs) the the thing that came to my mind just when you were talking is like we shouldn't be afraid of the emotions of happiness either like i think in in this discussion a lot of times if and I, I think I'm especially guilty of this when you make a distinction between an affection and emotion and you're saying that the affections are wrought by the Spirit and we as Christians want to be moved by the Spirit, that if you find something mm-hmm. happy in your children because they did something goofy or 
we find happiness in a football game that there's something wrong with us. No, 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 no. There, there's there's room for that in the Christian life, certainly. So I think that was a I good... I think those are... I'll have to think about this more, but the idea of... And that's always a dangerous way to start a statement. <laughs> yeah, you should probably stop and, and go think. Um, <laughs> the emotions are created by God in no. a very deliberate sense. <laughs> okay, I'm out. Um, so... You know, anger is, is something that I, I think God created us with the capacity to experience, yeah. right? Um, we can be angry when bad things happen. Uh, now, our I think our sin takes that emotion. I mean, so Jesus also experienced anger, but without sin. Paul calls us to be angry without sin. Um, you know, so those those are things that God has created, but they're often distorted by, by our sinfulness. So, you know, happy, yeah, it's a good thing. Like, I think there's a way to use it in a way that, that honors God or anger that, in a way that honors God. But yeah, I, I, I do think it's helpful to make that distinction, though, between jo- you know joy and happiness. But maybe Edwards wouldn't have known the difference between them. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah, I don't know kind of how to, to go. Because you guys said a couple of things that I really wanted to dive into a little bit. But let me, let me ask this, and maybe we can get around to it. So how does one pursue joy? How does a Christian pursue joy if... We're talking about joy as being the, the affection that is made, formed in a believer's life by the Spirit. How does one pursue that? So I'm thinking of something like James 1, uh, which is the sort of paradigm for just weirdness in a Christian life that we can... <laughs> the, the paradigm for weirdness? Yeah. You heard it here first. That's folks. right. <laughs> Pastors, if you're listening, so, James 1, sermon topic, weird. The paradigm of weirdness. <laughs> the paradigm of weirdness. So a human, to being, this Sunday. a human being reads James 1 and, and here's count it all joy and they're like, okay, great, here comes something good when you experience trials of various kinds and you go, wait, what a minute? What? Wait, what's going on? <laughs> um, but... Uh, you know how does one how does one count suffering joy? Well, I mean, I think he he sort of lays it out that the testing of your faith produces endurance and and goes down the list where it, it brings about this perfection as James understands it of, of a perfect faith that's complete, lacking in nothing. And you know, so obviously, apparently, then one one can work towards joy um, even in in trials. I think what James is getting at the the way you find joy in that is is understanding, frankly, that God is sovereign over all these things, that he uses these things um, for our good. And then, you know, so if one understands more of who God is, again, I'm going to just always come back to primarily through reading the word, mm-hmm. having a fully formed, you know, as much as one can, a fully formed understanding of who God is and how he works, he can find that joy in, in the various situations because he trusts that God is is working those things for good. Is it would it be fair to say that we don't necessarily pursue joy in itself as much as we pursue a worldview that fits so that that joy fits into it. Sure. So for instance what I'm thinking of is like this the whole joy in trials thing. I'll tell people on a regular basis you have to you have to be firm now that when the trial comes joy will be the result not frustration because in the midst of it you're going to be incredibly frustrated and pained and and uh it's not going to be fun but 
we are to consider it joy when that happens. But you have to set that up now. So the, the when you came around to consistent Bible reading, consistent prayer time, a consistent and deep relationship with the Lord, you have you've set up a paradigm of thinking and you've set up a worldview of thinking so that joy can fit into that. Yeah. Um, and it's a paradigm of thinking that's outside of ourselves because if we're uncomfortable we don't typically think of that as fun, right. but if we have that sovereign Lord paradigm, then we're okay with discomfort because we know that it's either working Christ likeness in us or it's, um, you know, a, it's working perseverance, whatever it is that the Lord intends to do. We're okay with that and can find joy in it then. Yeah. So it's also going to be helpful to think. So it, we can mentally prepare ourselves as Christians for joy and trials, but I mean, you know, our, our marching orders essentially are to rejoice always, mm-hmm. you know, and everything that we're to be joyful. And I think that's where, so Christians will fall off on one of two sides, either being not joyful, especially in trials or, Hey, we can prepare ourselves for that. And we can sort of trudge our way through trials with joy, maybe legitimate joy because we know of its intended result. But you know, what about when things are pretty decent, mm-hmm. you know, when I've got a good job and have family or something like that, or, you know, good opportunities, um, good ministry situation or something like that. And, you know, that's, I, I think where practicing gratitude, things like that, yeah. uh, being intentional to rejoice, mm-hmm. to, to give God thanks for what he's doing, to, to rejoice in what he's done. So it, we, we do have to be intentional to to count it all joy when you encounter various blessings. You know, I mean, I, it's not in the Bible, obviously. But, no, that's good. Uh, well, I, yeah. I mean, it is implicitly, but not, not stated somewhere. But I, I mean, mean how easy it is to just forget to be thankful, to forget to marvel when something amazing is going on, to see God's goodness and rejoice in that. There's a ton of psalms that talk about remember the works, remember yeah. the works. Yeah. It, it's constantly remember the good things that God has done. Right. So when you're going through something, you're like, oh, but God has done all of this. Right. I was just looking at Job, <clears throat> Adam, and thinking about you saying you have to be now resolute that you're going to, so that when the trials come, your faith isn't shaken completely. And Job, in the very beginning, it's he's the one that hated evil. He's the one who right. would get up and do sacrifices for all of his kids. So it wasn't like all this bad stuff happened. And he was like, I guess now I'm just going to go ahead and... And praise the Lord for this. It was mm-hmm. he had a life pattern sure. that when it came, it was here's my response. Yeah, and I think when I asked a minute ago, is it fair to say that we don't pursue joy in itself? Like I, I, I like what you just everything you just said, Ryan. That um, there is a sense in which we can pursue joy, like even when things are good. I, I don't know. I think it's easier for it may not be. There's a sense in which it might be easier to find, quote, joy in suffering than just recognizing it and vocalizing it and confessing it when things are hunky-dory. Right. Um, Because when things are hunky-dory, we get so complacent about the Lord's work in our lives that we forget to think, no, this is is a deep joy that I'm experiencing because the Lord is involved and good. Right. Flip side, suffering. We're like, oh, the Lord's involved. The Lord has to be involved. This is uh, well, be joyful else, here. Be what joyful. What are we going to do with it if He's not? I right. Mean, we don't want to just rest in this idea that things are really just bad and they're not going to get good from here. So we've got to like make some sense of this. Yeah. It seems easier to do that. Yeah. That's right. So maybe there is that. I think an element where we do 
pursue joy by just merely being cognizant of the giver, even when things sure. are good, you know. Maybe an act of being joyful while pursuing the God who gives it, or something like that. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, <clears throat> I want to uh, ask this question, and then we've got another one. Are religious affections only somber? No. <laughs> what do you Nor mean by that? Like somber, or like, I guess, and it's an incorrect view of like the Puritans and people like that, but That's they were just right. very boring. Like, yeah. they would just go and fast. Overly for serious. Yeah. And, yeah so, so like, when people are heavy. like... <laughs> yeah. Or what? Heavy. Heavy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they ate a lot. Spurgeon was heavy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, we, just we have all the Spurgeon <laughs> <laughs> I know it. That, that's how they... The pictures? I mean... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's recorded for us in history with pictures. <laughs> yeah. So... But I, I think we just have this idea of, if I'm going to be a, a Christian, I have to be serious. I have to be bleh. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. So interact with that. I mean... It, no. Okay, we, we say Christians ought to be we get, Christians yeah, ought to no. be joyful, but yet you see them in the workplace and they're all just kind of morose and quiet. That's not and, a good word. How's your week? Oh, yeah, it's busy. And, uh, How was your weekend? Oh, it was okay. And all the people at work are like, yeah, it was great. I went out and drank. I forgot everything I did. And it's like, okay. I wish I could forget everything I did. <laughs> but Christians are quote-unquote joyful. Well, why isn't it coming out? Why isn't it showing... Yeah, I think because the affections are not only somber, or they shouldn't be. I'm I'm making a distinction in my mind right now between... So I guess you guys are painting the picture of, oh, my week was okay, like kind of this faux complacency or fake thankfulness, but I'm still wanting to just be pitiful yeah. and complain. Yeah, yeah. Versus someone who might say... The Lord was good this right, weekend, right. and His glory shined brightly in the, in the sanctuary of our church. Even in the midst and, of my sin, while I wrestled great. Yeah, that, like that's what I had in mind with yeah. somberness. Yeah, no, I think both end. Yeah, I think it's both. Yeah, end. so I guess I've got two categories in mind, and I don't know which one you want me to address. Both. Yeah, both. Both. Because okay. I think are, are both of them right or wrong? No, or? I think they're both. They're probably polar ends of the same spectrum. Yeah. That. When you get closer to either end, you're you're botching it. Um, I mean, if we only speak of God's goodness and joy and glory, and even even things as glorious as God's correction that may be painful, but we find it joy because we are you know good Christians or whatever, like to speak about those things with no passion and no yeah. excitement is like why would anybody want that? Right. You know, it, it, you mentioned interacting with non-believing coworkers. Why would how many times you hear people say, I don't go to church because it's boring or, right. you know, and that doesn't mean that church has to be a party and it probably shouldn't be. But, um, no, I think we have to express those affections with, with joy, visible joy, you know, right. <clears throat> happiness, maybe happiness. <laughs> yes. Yes. A deep seated happiness um, or even a lightly seated, a, a shallow seated happiness. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just think like be a human being. That's you know, like the Lord gives you hmm. these feelings and and um, feelings as a reaction maybe to what he has done, like emote that. Why mm, not? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I don't think that I don't think that uh, religious affections are only somber, nor should they be somber. Like I'm trying to think of when would they be somber? 
like maybe a hatred of sin if you're sitting there contemplating. Sure, and I, I think a, a deep-seated joy can be a somber moment yeah. as well. Yeah. And I, I do think we, we run off the side either way and either just become so serious that it really is kind of a drudgery to be a believer. It, it really mm-hmm. is a drudgery to believe in God's sovereignty. Or we're so flippant about the whole thing, you know, <laughs> that it's just ridiculous. It, it, it doesn't have a sense of reverence. Our, the way we approach God maybe is, is without reverence, or the way we approach life is without reverence. And I, I mean, we know people on all sides of this. We probably are there ourselves most of the time. And, you know, you got some dude that, uh, who was it? I think it was John A. Cuff, <laughs> talks about the Jesus Juke, where like, <laughs> you've got this moment, I watched this really cool movie, and, you know, it's like you throw in some kind of Christianese, yeah. and, well, Jesus wouldn't have watched that, or I. I thought about going and seeing that, but we went and served the homeless instead. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you're like, wait, wait, what? Like, do Christians not have fun too? And, you know, so you've got, you've got that guy, then, but you've also got the guy who you can't hardly talk about anything serious, and he's cutting a joke every single time, and you're like, come on, can we get serious for a second here? But, you there's know, I mean, be a balance, yeah. Yeah, and I think there's, that would be an interesting study to do in the Word, just to see the people that wrote in the Bible. I mean, there's a lot of serious things going on in the Bible, and so it's not representing the whole right. scope of human inter- involvement and interaction in God's world. But, you know, I'd have to think there's there's an idea where, where merriment and just lightheartedness is part of God's plan um, mm-hmm. and its place and its time. Laughter is funny for a reason. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned a study in the Bible, and the first thing that came to my mind was... David dancing in the streets with his in his ephod. <laughs> like, wow. He's emoting something. Yeah. It certainly brings a lot of laughter in there. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean, I think he was pretty stoked. Whatever was yeah. going on, I mean, yeah. he was he was doing pretty well. So yeah, I mean, it seems fairly. I don't know what the word is. You guys will have to tell me. But like, we've been saved. We have eternal glory waiting for us in heaven. We understand the world in the sense that. Yes, it looks terrible, but God is coming. Jesus Christ is coming back to set up his kingdom. And then we're just, well, throw our hands up and uh, the world is terrible. Yeah, Yeah. ho-hum. And you're like, it's so antithetical to what should be coming out of us. And, And it's not that you're just flippant through life, but it's that you have joy and happiness through circumstances of of life. Where did the Puritans and Edwards get like? Where did the where did this idea come up? Come that they were somber, dull, and lifeless. Like I, I know the I know that Edwards has been accused of like reading his sermons with low light and very yeah. dull and dry, but that that's not true. Very passionate man, but where did that come from? I mean, is that just we assume because they're dealing with heavy things I, that they have to be. Probably so, and they're serious. They're serious students of the word and um, just very intentional with life. Sometimes I think that intentionality becomes so consuming that you forget to just laugh at the, the yeah. levity sometimes of life. And, you know, how do we just laugh because my kid blows his nose when he's talking at the table or something? <laughs> <laughs> So if I laugh at those things, does that make me not a good biblical scholar? That's right. Yes. That's right. Okay, You're fair not enough. Appropriately <laughs> serious. That's right. I heard that the Scarlet Letter is it by Hawthorne or something yeah, like yeah. that? That actually um, propagated that idea really well. That the Puritans were very, mm. you know, morose so, and just. Yeah. So uh, a fictional novel. A fictional novel. Similar to like Paradise Lost. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think that was actually um, one of the bigger. Okay. 
bigger ways that it got out. Interesting. Caleb said it. It must be true. Well, must be true. No, uh, you guys can all fact, fact check me on that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure somebody will. Yeah, right. You'll get an email. Why don't I'd, you, I'd like to have that email as well. I'd like <laughs> to see that one. Why don't you Wikipedia stuff? <laughs> you got into that. That's what we're so. supposed to be doing right now. Isn't that? Like when somebody's talking, somebody's on the internet yeah, making sure it's all true. Making sure everything's true. Yeah, we'll get rebuked for that, no doubt. Puritan somber. All right, last question. Uh, Scarlet Letter is number five on Bing search. Uh, if you put in our Puritan somber, uh, wow, it comes up as uh, number five. So wow, I don't know what it says. It's just on there. So there you go. All right, last question here for Things you guys. I thought about search engines. That's impressive. It is. Yeah. Uh, is God happy? I yes. Well, good. I'm glad we got that all clarified. <laughs> Uh, so I think along with the idea that Puritans are somber and only serious goes the idea that God isn't happy and joyful. Even though we get the fruit of the Spirit, who, by the way, the, the Spirit is a person Aye. in the Trinity, and he is the one who gives us joy. So why, why do we not think of God as happy or joyful? And my class on Edwards, they were saying that Edwards believed God was the happiest being, like the most joyful, mm-hmm. happy yeah. being there is. And that's something that kind of blew my mind where I was like, yeah, that's, I think that's right. Why haven't I heard that? I think a lot of it might have to be, may have to do with our culture too. Like it seems like we're moving further and further away from a biblical view of God. And like even I was talking with a girl this week who asking me about the salvation of her husband and and was telling me about her faith, but was putting it in the context of how bad the world is. Mm. And it's almost like there's this, um, there's this disconnection of the world from God being in control of it happily Mm. in control of it. You know, I don't know, maybe just the dire circumstances of our culture stamps out the idea that God could be happy with what's going on. Even though I know that that gets a little weird with sovereignty and, responsibility and that kind of stuff but otherwise i think we would i I guess i'm thinking if you if you read like the beginning parts of desiring god where piper lays out that idea of god being the supreme being and finding most joy in his own glory and that kind of idea then and i guess c.s lewis brings in a lot of those ideas as well or he he pulls from a lot of c.s lewis for those ideas that seems to be the biblical model for God's happiness in being God. Right. But we don't, because we're moving further away from that biblical paradigm, you don't hear about it much anymore. I mean, I've heard about it plenty, but thoughts? Yeah, so again, this is where I'd say do a a good Bible study of of God's joy, of God rejoicing. I think a lot of the Old Testament prophets carry this idea of of the Lord delighting in his people, rejoicing, what is it in Zephaniah? Yeah, he will joy rejoicing over you with singing and... Isaiah, uh, as a bridegroom, delights or rejoices over his bride, so the Lord will delight in you again. And so, I mean, the, obviously the concept is there of, of God rejoicing and being joyful. I'm trying to think of what else would be... To what degree do you think I mean, we Jesus would, endured the cross with joy. Yeah, that's. I was, to what degree do you think we would have to redefine what we mean by happiness and joy. I mean, I'm thinking of, you mentioned delight so that the Lord, so the Lord delights in his people. Isaiah 53:10 uses that same word that it was the delight or God was delighted to crush his son. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's not at all how we typically right. think of delight, you know? And, and of course, then we change it in our English translations to, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. But the word is 
delight. Yeah. To what degree do you think we would even need to change our paradigm or definition of joy? I don't delight, think we should because we've only got five minutes left or whatever on this yeah. podcast. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just saying no, in general. Right, yeah, right, yeah, that. Yeah. Like it, it, to say that God delights to crush His Son is a very different delight sure. than we think of as God being happy. There's something in the there's something in the course of history that required the death of Jesus. Yeah. So that was a good thing that God would delight in, even yeah. though from our perspective it's a very ungood thing. Spectacular sins or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Where God works something out. I mean God's working salvation through judgment at that point, I think. That's mm. true. Whoa. Happiness. We just got cookies. I think the the idea of redefining delight, I think, would have to go with the idea of spectrum. In other words... Suss that out for me. Yeah, I'll suss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to begin to suss. But it's kind of like a spectrum, don't you think? Like where we say happiness. Well, you can't be happy because it's not the same as joy, but... Is there not a spectrum where you can say, yes, Christians are to be very happy, but it's not to be so shallow that it's only in my circumstances where that's what joy is, where, where joy can express itself in happiness or even through sorrow. So delight can be in something such as honey or a sports game or the birth of a, a child, or it can be in even horrible circumstances such as the death of Christ knowing that it's for God's ultimate glory and goodness and so it's a spectrum instead of just narrowly saying delight is only in good things and if it's ever bad no delight. What do you think about I mean even in say uh, a story or a movie or something where we're watching something tragic happen particularly self-sacrifice I mean we love that story right? As a culture, we love when someone is willing to give their life for someone else. Like Harry Potter. That's right. The very deeply theological Harry Potter. <laughs> but, I mean, really, don't we Christian. do that? Someone, Someone's willing to die for someone else. And, and we experience a kind of delight while watching that movie because, you know, we're moved to tears often. And I, I don't think you could call it anything less than a kind of delight um, because we saw something really, really beautiful happen there. Um, even though it was tragic... Um, we, we see self-sacrifice. It's a quality, it's a virtue that ar- arises from a situation that is terrible that does bring delight, even in the midst of that. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly a spectrum of things that we can delight in. Um, it doesn't always have to be in happy, slappy things that might make us all laugh. So. That's good. Did you just say that you cried watching Harry Potter? <laughs> I don't think that's what I said. That's what, that's why I understood. I heard Harry Potter, and then I heard Move to Tears. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, that's good. Adam, do you have anything to, to finish up here before you get nope. too distracted? No, I have a pumpkin chocolate chip muffin in my that mouth. cookie over pretty well right now. So. <laughs> do I have anything in my teeth? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. All right, well, we will end this episode here, though. Uh, welcome us back after our long hiatus. We would love reviews on iTunes, but only the ones that will make us happy, and those are the ones that have five stars. Happy, them. not joyful. That's so right. So we don't want to persevere through trials. That's right. Here, here. <laughs> so only the fawning five-star reviews are the ones that are allowed to go up on iTunes. 
So leave us, leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate that. You can interact with us on Facebook or Twitter. And until next time, remember there is ultimate joy to be pursued in this life. And that is in the person of Jesus Christ. Pursue him.